Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of MGR Unplugged. We are pretty loaded today again, as always. I feel pretty good, actually. I, I, um, I, I don't know why I'm a little more optimistic this week as far as um, everything going on with us, with wow. the economy <laughs> and uh, everything else. So, no, but uh, we're going to start um, discussing a little bit of basketball. Well, you weren't very happy. Was it yesterday or two days ago when silver went down? Yeah, yeah, silver. I was kind of bummed. He's I, been uh, investing in silver, and then uh, well, yeah, gold. Is- I've I've never seen. I, I told him. I said it's so funny. If anybody watches gold and silver markets, the past few weeks have been so volatile, like I've never seen before. I mean, I I've been following gold for years now, not as long as other people, but at least for a few years now, and uh, I've never seen the volatility. And as soon as you start saying, I'm gonna invest a little more heavily in silver. It like goes up like 15, 20% up, in like I, a week. I've never seen silver move like that. I, I, I invested in silver, which was, you know, kind of like the, the backup of gold. And uh, it went up like right after like 15%. I felt very rich. But then it went like, down again another 10%. And then it went down like, yeah, 5, 10% in a day. Like, well, that's because I've never seen silver move like well, that. Well, first of all, yeah, it's extra volatile these days. But secondly, um, the, um, you know, obviously, a lot of people just want to uh, get benefits or rack the profits as soon as they happen. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of sell-offs too. But anyways, we're doing the intro now. So uh, we're going to discuss Sorry. that. That wasn't even part of the topic, by Off the way. Topic. We're going to start with um, a little bit of NBA because uh, David is a big fan. And also, he has a big game today that he'll hey, talk listen, about a little bit. I said two weeks ago on this podcast, I said... Don't count the Suns out. They are the Phoenix Suns have a very slim chance, but we had lots of injuries and everybody's gonna be back healthy. And all the pundits said, "No way! Why are the Suns even We're here?" Seven zero now. Seven and zero. And the eighth the, game the is today. The only undefeated team. They could go. They have a game later today. After this podcast, I'm gonna be running to go watch the game. Uh, yeah. So, so our go. clients, if they call you and you say, "Sorry, I'm busy," I'm gonna say I'm in meetings all afternoon. I'm meeting uh, with my uh, 50x 60-inch plasma TV. Well, you know, the beautiful thing about working from home is I could just have my laptop and watch the game in the yeah, yeah, it's so. true, it's true. Actually, to be totally brutally honest, I'm gonna be watching the Champions League too. So yeah, you were talking fan. about your team, his Phoenix Suns, Atletico Madrid, are playing today too. So yeah, they're playing the Champions League. Basically. Um, if you need us, we're not available today. Okay, <laughs> don't talk to us. Okay, no, I'll the, be back the, tomorrow. the uh, Atletico is playing in Portugal. Portugal is like the uh, the bubble of soccer now of Champions League. So now that they got everybody to the uh, quarterfinals and all that, um, all the teams that made it are going to play in this Portuguese bubble. So it's a different format. It's elimination format. It's almost like a mini World Cup for for teams, not for countries. So it's pretty exciting, and uh, Atletico, who beat Liverpool, by the way, uh, back in March, just at the border of the pandemic, um, they played in, they beat Liverpool both in Madrid and in England, and uh, now they're playing um, a team from, um, uh, what is it from? Is it Leipzig? It's Switzerland, I think. I forgot where it's from. But anyways, they play there and uh, in Portugal and everybody's playing there. There's games all this weekend. So, all right, back to the topic. Uh, we're going to discuss a little bit of the NBA, as I said. One second. My prediction, if the Suns are able to make it to the playoffs and face the Lakers in the first round, we're not going to beat them, but we'll 
give them a very hard okay, time. Okay, well, we're going to discuss that later. It'll Let me do the intro. At least six game series is my okay. prediction. So, well, there's also news about, well, not news, but this the USPS has been kind of in trouble for a long time. And now it looks like it's even more in trouble. So, we're going to discuss that because it's a critical um, it's delivery. The, it's the backbone of e commerce, honestly. Right. For, it's a critical and backbone of e commerce for deliveries of e-commerce in the, logistics, in the I US. So we'll get into that. Also, we're going to discuss Lyft and Uber and DoorDash and all these deliveries as far as or transportation systems for the uh, what is called the gig economy that are once again having trouble or being um, at odds with the California ruling as far as the separation between independent contractors or employees or their workers. And that's a critical issue as well for these companies to survive. So we're going to get into that. And then what else do we have? Uh, Google travel. I, this is one thing that I want to scratch my eye and this microphone is in the way. Um, another thing is uh, Google I want to discuss quickly or share with everybody an option for those of us who are kind of looking into traveling, not just domestically, but also internationally. And it's very hard to find these days, you know, what's happening or what are the rules of engagement when you travel to each country or to each, pretty much each state. Uh, because things are changing very rapidly on a, almost on a daily basis. So Google has an app or has a, an option to provide more updated information that you'll probably find anywhere else. So we're going to discuss that. So we have a few things going on and we want to wrap it up also on a, on a timely basis, keep it within maybe 60 minutes. So we'll get started right away. We're going to roll the music and come right back. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. All right, welcome back. Uh, David, let's get started right away with the um, NBA quickly, sports talk. Um, well, I already gave you a little You bit did a little preview in the opening, which you went a little long. But, uh, um, so, the Suns. Well, actually, let's, let's continue with the bubble. So, what is your impression of the preliminary playoffs to the actual playoffs as far as the NBA goes? The, for the teams where the games matter, it's been very fun. Um, so like the Suns and the Trailblazers and, and the Grizzlies and, and basically teams who are actually fighting for something. But what, weren't they, I mean, weren't in theory all teams fighting for something? I mean, what's the reason for going not to... Not really, because... I, I mean, mean the, the, if there was a team that had a long shot, that was the Suns, and they were fighting like... Right, right, that's what I mean. The Suns were fighting for playoff spots, but like the teams who already are basically secured in the playoffs, uh, they don't have anything to play for. Because keep in mind, especially with the seeding, like... Teams are playing for seeding, but like the difference between a four or five seed in a normal season is okay, who gets home court? Home court. But right. now there's no home court, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. So they don't really the only thing they're playing for is matchups of like who do you not want to play? So like they were saying Denver, who was the three seed, was uh, kind of tanking a little bit because they didn't want to face the Rockets, who were the sixth seed, and uh, basically now they ended up avoiding it. So now Oklahoma City versus the Rockets is going to be the first round matchup, and like, um, and I think it's going to be Denver, Utah, and then Clippers, Dallas, Lakers, whoever is the eighth seed. So uh, you just mentioned something about the home court. That it reminds me that didn't they obviously. I'm not following this very thoroughly, but I remember in the beginning, the discussion was like, if you have home court advantage for the playoffs, basically you're one of the top four, 
Uh, didn't they say something like the first game or there was some kind of advantage that you're going to have? No. Or they eliminated that kind of question. They were discussing something about... They discussed, but there's no advantage. So there's no advantage. So no it advantage. doesn't matter you have home court or not. It's basically best of seven. You Just win four games, you move on. Yeah. And there's no, there's no like a first game is already your win or something or something like no, that. No, 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 no. No. The, no. There's no advantage, basically. Okay. Okay. So that's why these teams don't have anything to play for. Okay. All um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it's not been it, for the top-seeded teams. Plus, they're resting their players half the time anyways. So it's not been as fun on that end so the disappointing part is the if if for those who weren't following they were going to just go straight to the playoffs basically they said okay we're just going to end the regular season go straight to the playoffs the players insisted no we want warm-up games first so let's restart the regular season with a few games left they decided on an eight and then basically two three games in everybody right. starts resting it's like, well, why Especially the, the top seeds like, like yeah. the Lakers and all that with it's LeBron like, and Anthony Davis and all these guys were just resting. Right. Uh, and not just the Lakers, lots of teams. Basically, everybody who wasn't fighting for the for the playoffs started resting. It's like, well, why the fuck did we have eight games then Right. if you're just going to start resting people? So, all right, so let's let's quickly... Uh, so today we have the eighth game for so the today Suns, is which the is final a must day. win for them, right? I mean, if they don't yeah, win. Yeah, so today is the final day. For, for everybody. Today's Thursday for everybody. Um... Basically, the the main games that are left, the only ones that matter are the fight for the eighth seed. So, so you by have, the time people listen and watch this podcast, it's probably over. Do. You have the Suns and the Grizzlies. Both games are at 1 p.m. Pacific here, our time. Um, so they'll be happening at the same time. The Suns, basically, if they want to get in, they need to win. So they'll need to be 8-0, which they'll be the only 8-0 team in the bubble. And then on top of that, they need either the Grizzlies to lose or the Trailblazers to lose. The Blazers play the Nets. Who suck? I mean, I mean, unless the Nets could pull a miracle, they've actually looked better than people thought. But I don't think they're gonna win. Um, so I think our best hope is actually the Bucks to beat the Grizzlies. But unfortunately, Giannis decided to headbutt somebody in the face, and he's suspended. And yeah. I don't even know how many of the Bucks starters are gonna be playing because they have nothing to play for. So. Really, the Suns are hoping that there's an upset in either game. Um, yeah. well, but we'll see. And, of course, they need to win. So, But those are the only games that matter. And then you'll have the play-in game. And then the playoffs start next week. All right. So, um, But so far, as we said last week, the bubble format has It's worked. been good. Pretty I think good. the playoffs, now that the playoffs are starting, and obviously the games really count, it'll be much more fun. It was just, you know, there was a lot of primetime games of, like, Lakers, Nuggets, or whoever. And the Nuggets are resting Jokic in the fourth quarter and stuff. And it's like, okay, well, what, what do we want? But aside from the actual games, I think it's been a good uh, also kind of rehearsal for the TV networks, for the commentators, for the whole bubble system. Uh, the, the production's Press been conferences, good. everything else to see how it's working. I think, honestly, I think the NBA... I, I mean, think- uh, before the NBA did this, the only other sport that started with you know, activities in isolation and bubble type situations was basically UFC with the yeah, fights. UFC. Um, uh, elsewhere, you know, in racing stuff, NASCAR started with no spectators. Formula One in Europe and all that stuff started with but the, repeated the, races. But as far as in one location, indoors, which is the main thing. The interesting thing to me too is um, it's worked well and what they're going to do for next season because the next season happens quickly. This ends... At the end of September, early doesn't go all the way to October, but basically at the very end of September, and then December it starts again. 
supposedly it's going to be like first week of December. I don't think that's going to be so soon. I think they'll push it back a little more. But supposedly... I thought they said it's going to start by Christmas. It was That was the original proposal. And then they said it was going to be like December 1st. Okay. But that'll be like basically but two months off and then right back to a new season. But new season in their own courts or they're going to do... No, 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 no. In the bubble again. They're going to do with and all the teams? Yeah. They, what they said was they might do two or three bubbles. Wow. And they're considering basically doing something like a team plays for a month and then they get like a few weeks off out of the bubble and then they're back in the bubble for a month, stuff like that. So right. that's the undetermined thing. Um, but the bubbles worked. Basically, the NBA announced yesterday, they said, we've tested 520-something players, whatever. Right. We've had zero positive cases. Right. And not only that, they're testing everybody, not just everybody. the players. They're They've not had every a single positive journalist. Case. Team personnel, right. every, everybody that goes there is tested many There's times, which is thousands of people there. It's and funny they don't have any cases. I don't want to deviate good. from this because obviously we every time we run off topic and stuff, but uh, that's one of the things that I like, really really bothers me about this pandemic and those these inconsistencies that we find all the time. I was talking to you the other day how you know we have situations where uh, you know the, the things are banned or not allowed in certain areas, and then others are totally fine, like. These bubbles with the teams. I mean, you have players with no masks playing, sweating, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Yeah, they take precautions and they're tested frequently, and it's perfectly fine. Yeah, well, they, they test every single. I, day. I do know that, In and fact, that's and that's part of the reason. But so much so that Suns center DeAndre Ayton didn't play in the first quarter of the last game because he forgot to get his COVID test. Right. No, and he had to go get one. And then he was driving on like a golf cart back to the stadium. But, but, but that's stadium. my point. If that's all it takes to be tested frequently, okay, fine. Test people, have the test allowed for everybody frequently. But at the same time, you travel, as we will discuss later, and then you get in an airplane and you are in, in an enclosed thing, in a tube, in a metal tube flying with 200 other people. But you see that... And, uh, and, and, and airports and other stuff and there's no testing, nobody tests anybody there, and it's perfectly fine. Well, did you see the the uh, study that I, I think I sent it to you, actually, that they basically, there was a study that said... Oh, on the airplanes, as far as the, the, with the probability with, of... Con with the middle seat empty, they said you have about a one in, I think it was 7,700 chance of getting COVID on a flight, basically. So it was much less than people thought, because planes were like the... You know, and I thought so too, like the, the cesspool, right? You're all enclosed in an area. And they said, with middle seat empty and the recirculating air and everything, they said, you have about one in 7,700 chance of getting COVID, which is not that high. So maybe no, flying is safer than we I thought. I mean, you've flown. I actually I've, think, and you said, I agree with you, because we were talking about it. To me, because we did fly, we, I've taken one flight during this. And to me, the place where I was most like, kind of like, not freaked out, but like a little like, oh God, I hope nobody has COVID here, was security. Yeah. Because security was, everybody's touching everything and there was no social distancing. They had this, the things on yeah, the floor. Nobody, nobody followed them. It was all bunched up exactly like normal security is pre-COVID. Right. So that was the only place touching where I was trays, like, putting things everywhere, yeah. common things, all that stuff. And at least in one flight, you are with a group of people, but in security, you are finding people that come from old places and go to old places. So it was yeah. like a, freaking just yeah. funnel. So that was the only time where I was so, like, hmm, this but, should be better. But that's the thing. But you, all they have to do is they just need to be stricter with saying, hey, social distance here. Uh, yeah. And, hey, but, like, uh, here's we, wipes for when you, like, what they should do is just before you go into this, the thing, 
you must take hand sanitizer and wash your hands before you touch all that shit. We're not basic necessarily stuff. that is ready for this. They're making patchwork just like to that's comply. That's so basic. Well, I know. Have a fucking hand sanitizer machine? I like, know. How but, hard but, is that? But I was thinking, in fact, I was thinking this this morning as I was getting coffee for us, that I'm, I'm now at a point where I think that the, um, the solutions or the um, measurements that different companies and sanctioning bodies or organizations or whatever are taking to the pandemic are directly related to the chances of them being sued by somebody else. Yeah. And I think litigation, which is the favorite sport in this country, is unknown. There's no league, but there's a lot of litigation going on all the time. Litigation is the direct factor that determines how much um, you put in place or, or basically not at all as far as the coronavirus pandemic goes. Like, they just started canceling all the uh, college um, sports seasons, you know, in different conferences and things like that. You know that much better than I do. And some conferences are saying, yeah, we're going to move forward. Some others are saying, no, we're going to cancel everything. And football season is supposedly going on. Basketball has been going on with no problems. We are all traveling in a tube, go to a restaurant. Yeah, social distance, whatever. You know, the restaurant well, well the problem for the college football thing was you know a lot of the money they make is from ticket sales they're not gonna be able to have any ticket sales so right for non-big schools like the big schools have tv money but the non-big schools don't get that tv money so yes, they make all their money from what tickets. happened to just having a league and sports for sports for the sports sake yeah well that's not okay well that's the thing that's what i'm saying that's a, i mean a money this, driven thing what the school doesn't want is to have you know, college athletes, you know, student athletes playing a game, and then one student athlete of right. test positive, that, and, and I, then they decide to sue the school, say, oh, you put me there, and you put me to play. And the key difference is, these are not professional exactly. athletes. Exactly. They're not being paid. Right. They're not, they're, they're amateur athletes. Exactly. Exactly. So and, and it's like, a different thing. Like that, you can do, you can multiply it to many other places. And All people focus on football, but really the NCAA is all sports. And so people focus right. on like football and basketball because those are the money makers. Right. But swimming and lacrosse and all these things and golf nobody and watches. And other sports. I mean, why that? Right. Right. Those exactly. are all basically funded so, so, by football and basketball. So we have already golf. Uh, obviously, there's major tournaments taking place, including last weekend, and it was fine. And then all of a sudden, college sports, they do not have golf. What's the difference? You know, one is professional, the other one is not. Uh, like I said, well, yeah, but uh, one, the people know the risk and they're paid to be there. The other, they're not paid anything. They know the risk too, or they're not paid anything. But they, I mean, you look at the, uh, you talk to the student athletes. Most of them would probably want to play, but the colleges say we don't want that risk. Why? Because if we get sued or something, the damage is worse than the than playing. You know, so there's a lot of fear factor there from from litigation right now, as far as, uh, and that's one of the things that. Even when it came to discussing employees going back to work, that, that was, that's one of the things that uh, the, the, uh, President Trump was talking about um, doing the um, uh, stimulus package and all that stuff. One of the conditions was like the no um, suing uh, clause, which says, okay, employees cannot sue their employers for asking them to go back yeah, to work. Yeah, I think, I think everybody is going to have to sign in the future yeah, a virus nice, waiver. Yeah. That says, if I get sick on the job, I acknowledge the risk I'm taking. Right, exactly. Saying, okay, I'm going back but to work. But then there's also the argument of, you know, we have hazard pay for a reason. Mm -hmm. Should people now get hazard pay for working in, with COVID, right? right? 
It's right. a, hey, if I'm going to take more risk, I want more reward. But that's, uh, again, uh, and that's what happens. That's when you start seeing all these inconsistencies that you start wondering what the effect is. Like you just said, the chances of getting the virus on a plane. And you say, okay, it's very minute. You have one sitting between, and you already got here. The it's air is minute if you're a passenger right. once in a while. If you're a flight attendant, well, yeah, one in 7,700 isn't a lot. But guess what? If you're flying twice a well, day, yeah, every single day. Well, yeah, but that's the same day, thing of the chances of dying on a plane, uh, you know, uh, no, crash or something. I mean, if you're flying 20 times a day, obviously you have more chances than No, but I mean, even like security or whatever. Well, I, mean, I understand that. But but what I was going to say is if that... You're a, if you're a waiter and you're like, if you're an office worker, like, like, okay, think about us, right? We're fortunate that we can work from home and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this can work from home, right? So really... Unless I seek it out, I don't really have to come in contact with anybody these days. You know, other than no, when I go to the grocery store I know, or something. But, I, but, but if you're a waiter or something, you're going to come in contact with hundreds of people a day. So mm -hmm. your odds of getting it are significantly higher. Yeah, but how much contact does a waiter have with people? I mean, I've been to many restaurants. Yeah, but, and, and you see them, can I take your order? Okay, they're up there, you're sitting. And they have their masks, and they have all the stuff. And all the, sometimes they don't even touch anything. They give you these scannable menus where you basically but it's, just... But it's an odds thing. That's what yes, I'm saying. Yes, I if, know. If obviously, Maybe a waiter has a 1 in 5,000 chance of getting it from a customer. But guess what? In a month or two months, they probably are going to come in contact with 5,000 people. Well, I understand people. that. But okay, so that waiter is 8 hours a day, maybe, working in a certain location. Whereas me, the customer, instead of being 8 hours a day, I'm going 8 hours a day working... I mean, I'm going to a supermarket or going to a Home Depot or going to another hardware store or going to a car store, this and that. So I'm actually doing the same thing in different places that I have less control over. So Yeah, but the weight, no, but it's not the same. Well, I mean, it's, no, just, it's, it's just... You have fewer points of contact. You, oh, I, you, you, at most in a day, if you're running errands, come in contact like three or four people what about a waiter comes in contact with hundreds a day oh i wouldn't say hundreds well it depends on how busy the restaurant yeah, is but on, but like i said it's 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 just math if you have a one in five thousand chance of getting it from somebody in a in a restaurant and i'm totally making this number up i have no idea what the number is but uh if it's one in five thousand okay but if you're a waiter in at a busy restaurant you're gonna come in with five thousand people in a month so odds are you are gonna get it Right, so that's the thing. It, well, people first of who all, have high contact jobs. First of all, restaurants are not busy. They allow them no, to open outdoors. Busy again. Well, if they become busy, yeah, they become busy. But right now, they are very limited sitting, very spaced out sitting, and they are not busy at all. I've been to a number of restaurants lately, and uh, I mean, it's like going to a restaurant on I don't know. The day after Thanksgiving or something or whatever day nobody goes to a restaurant. No, I get you know, it. I get it. Like I'm saying I'm, ta I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about well, if we're trying to go back to normal, they are going to be exposed. No, right? I wouldn't say normal, but you you have conditions and and, and certain rules in place as far as you know uh, social distancing, wearing masks, whatever they decide, which is a whole different story basically. But I, my point is that there are so many inconsistencies. As far as the rules, like you can go to a supermarket and be full of people and touch everything and put it in your bag and scan it or not scan it or whatever and come in contact with a lot of people in theory and let's find that those are essential workers or whatever. But then um, you can't go to the beach. <laughs>
I don't get it. I mean, I'm sorry. I maybe I'm just a dumb idiot. No, I'm not. But I don't saying, know why I'm not, California. You're not wrong about that. I'm just. I, saying. I just wonder. I don't know why California bans people from going to the beach or laying down in the sun, which is the primary source of vitamin D, which is the primary source is that for your. That's still going on though. I don't. I don't. They, they had it, and they go on and off. And and there's some beaches that are closed, limited space, this and that. They don't they don't allow you to they allow you to go to a beach and for a walk or something, but they don't want you to be laying down. It's like what the fuck? I'm laying down on the beach, just taking sun, vitamin D. That's the number one thing to boost my immune system. Okay, it's proven, and you know that very well. Even vitamin D also from the sun is much more effective than vitamin D supplements. Okay, so all those things to me make no sense when then they say, oh, you cannot do that, but. Yeah, you can go to the store, to a grocery store, wear your mask, touch everything, be in contact right. with other people. All right, let's move on. We said we wouldn't talk about coronavirus. I know, I, don't I know. Talk That's about so it much. It's just, it's just, it, it just kills me because I'm very analytical and I understand logic and I, I go by logic all the time. Yeah, but I don't think people, the, nobody has the answer. No, There's because no it's right become, answer. like I said, it's become How do you a, balance what, what, safety with basically the economy? How do you balance that? Well, exactly. There's no way. I mean, what we there's know no with right the economy. answer. There's just what we know with the economy, and that's something that pretty much all countries agree on right now, especially all civilized countries, is that you cannot shut down the economy again or anymore. I mean, that will just make the repercussions of that are worse than shutting down the economy. I mean, you're gonna have a lot of issues if you shut down the economy, where people have no work, no money, um, they are in their houses, they have drug addiction, they have suicides, they have divorces, whatever. I mean, it just goes on and on and on on what happens when people are just not going on with their normal lives. And they say, you know what? I wore a mask. I wore a freaking hazard suit. Just let me go to work. Let me do my normal life. And 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 that's just basically what happens. So, but, but especially when people are so inconsistent and governments on litigations and stuff, and they say, yeah, you can fly with certain situations, but not the other. You know, I mean, it's just the logic. It's just why well, it doesn't make any sense. You know, somebody out there wants to I'm not disagreeing. That's what everybody's saying. Right. Let's move on. All right, let's move on. So we said before the podcast we wouldn't talk about. <laughs> I didn't even include this topic in the in the preview. You started it, anyways. No, you started it. Okay, well, you started that's asking me about basketball and COVID and bubbles. All right, so let's move on. Um, U.S. Postal Service, our dear friends over there. So they are they've been in trouble for a while, and uh, to, I'm not a big, I don't know, a big fan of the postal service as far as deliveries and shipping and things like that. I understand they are critical. I understand they go to places where the paid or the more private companies like the USP, I mean the UPS, UPS, uh, um, UPS or FedEx or any other express services, you know, are much more reliable, but also much more expensive. So I understand the need for the USPS, but at the same time, I'm not a fan as far as their uh, today keeping up with the trend, basically. Back in the days, it's like, oh, the postal service always delivers in the snow, with the ice, whatever, they send you the letter. Now nobody gets a shit about mailing normal letters. It's all about packages. So why do you think the USPS is so critical for the e-commerce uh, Well, economy? it's not a question of why do I think. It just is. I mean, it's just right, right. the so, majority of e-commerce companies use USPS because it is the cheapest option uh, for most cases. Um, and... If if it's there's we, there's two there's two things. I mean, yeah, okay, you can have a debate about whether the USPS should exist, and if it does, should it just be its own private company? Blah blah blah. Uh, we can talk about that, but that's a different topic, really. the The, the question is, um, what's going to happen if the USPS really doesn't get the funding it needs to stay alive in the next basically few months? Um, 
what's going to happen to e-commerce? Okay. Because, I mean, even Amazon itself still uses USPS. And, I mean, right now, I, I looked up the numbers yesterday. Uh, more than 30% of the USPS revenue now comes from e-commerce. Not letters, not e-commerce. It's sure. over 30% Yeah, I mean, mailing is done. I mean, nobody mails anything. Um, and so what's going to happen, you know, especially because U UPS just announced last week that, um, they're raising the rates again for this holiday season. Um, and so th the, the hardest part about e-commerce and obviously things are very different now because of COVID, but really the biggest struggle for e-commerce has pretty much always been the logistics because at the end of the day when you go to a retail store you can get something today and you can get it for free shipping and the fact that we are we are now used to getting something right well in we'll get day. into amazon in a second but but i'm talking just e-commerce retail the biggest advantage is that with retail you go there you get it today you don't pay extra for shipping none of that right it's covered basically the cost the cost of the of the shipping is covered because they still have to ship it to the store but right. they don't charge you for that right or at least not directly but um with e-commerce you obviously have to pay shipping either the company eats the cost and offers free shipping or mm -hmm. the customer pays for the shipping but depending on what you're shipping it could be very expensive um and, and there's a limiting factor there's a lot of e-commerce businesses that I think could do very well in in the fact that there's a demand for them on the consumer side, but that the logistics of it would be so expensive that it's just not possible. Like one example um, is one of our clients that we're working with sells like uh, frozen items. That's just incredibly expensive to ship. You know, it's very hard to have an e-commerce business where the goods need to be frozen. Mm -hmm. um, so that's yeah, the an packaging example, right? Requires... You go to a grocery store, and they have a whole huge frozen goods section and lots of it's very cheap, but to ship, but that's because they ship it on trucks that are made for that. Refrigerator. But if you're shipping individual items that need to be frozen, it's very expensive. So that's one example, but even anything that takes up a lot of volume, anything that's very heavy, okay, so uh, it's expensive. And so the biggest challenge for e-com is overcoming the logistics costs. I understand. So if the USPS goes out of business, those logistics costs go up even more. Sure. Let me ask you a few questions on the business side. You say if the USPS goes out of business, okay, why will they go out of business compared to UPS or FedEx? Um, if they are used because, so much, if they are the backbone of e-commerce, which means well, that they have they are, a lot of business. They, they don't charge as much as the other ones. That's why everybody uses Okay, them. so so they don't charge as much as the other ones. And but they are used much more than the other ones. I mean, what especially if you were, for so especially for the nice thing about USPS uh, and what's always been one of their strong points is that UPS and FedEx, if you're shipping to a city, are pretty competitive with USPS. But if you're shipping anywhere outside of a major metropolitan area, uh, it's extremely expensive. And so the USPS is much more affordable. Okay, so so I'm the CEO. Let's say that I'm, I'm the CEO of USPS, okay? I don't know if they have CEOs or how the titles go, but let's say that I'm the person in charge of the USPS. And I say, we're losing money. It's like e-commerce like, like e people. Sometimes they say, okay, I have some products where I'm going to lose money, but they're going to anchor me. I'm let me sell the product. So I'm the USPS president or CEO and I say, okay, when we send something to, um, you know, little town anywhere, Kansas 
state or whatever where nobody else can reach it because it's like two miles off that road or something. And I'm only charging 290 for a box or whatever. I'm right. losing money there. Right. But I still need to deliver it because it's the same as if I'm going somewhere to Fifth Avenue, Manhattan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but at the same time, uh, number one solution is like, okay, if I go to those rural areas that are out of scope, I can have a little surcharge. And I think well, that's everybody... that's the problem though. But that's the problem. Why? I mean, if the, if the only well, other because... option is if the only other option is that you can ship FedEx or UPS, and if I charge 290, FedEx is $15 and UPS is $15, and instead of 290, I charge six, I'm gonna lose less money. Yeah, I'm not gonna make that, as much. But the whole premise of the USPS. So this is where well, it gets but, tricky. But, but let me finish but, one well, second. But hold on a second. No, I know me, what you're saying. No, but that's one thing. That's my first point. As a, as a, if 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 I'm against the wall, where I'm gonna disappear, I go bankrupt. Then then you well, need to make drastic solutions. Is, hold on. Well, let me. The tricky thing about the USPS is that it's in the Constitution that it must exist. So. The whole like it, the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin is the founder of the USPS. Yeah, but all that stuff. Okay, well, hold on. <laughs> and so the USPS is in the Constitution, right? Because they said it is vital to have a postal system in the United States, and we cannot charge extreme amounts, f- what depending on where you live, um, because that would be basically unfair. Um, in the same way, by the way, we do the same thing with internet, right? So like if AT&T, if you live out in the middle of nowhere, we have a, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's basically fair internet and yeah. everybody pays a little bit of money. Yeah. So you that pay that you on live your bills. Same thing with telephones. It's existed all the time. Right. Right. And so, so it's the same thing with the USPS. Um, and the tricky thing is it's backed by the government. So if the USPS was just a private business, then they wouldn't deliver to those places in the same way that UPS says, we don't deliver to those places. And if you really want us to deliver, we'll do it, but it's gonna cost you $40 to ship to some rural place, right? The USPS loses money on those things, not because of a business decision, but because they are backed by the US government, by taxpayers. Okay. And the agreement with the taxpayers is, we're gonna give you money but you're going to do these things that lose you money, right? Okay. So we're going to make up for the money you lose. That's basically the agreement. So, the USPS so, is going to be a business that loses money because they want equity between deliveries for everybody so in the United the States. Premise is, and the taxpayer will make up for those losses. Okay, That's the premise. If the premise is that the USPS must exist constitutionally because they must have equal rights for the person that lives in the middle of nowhere versus the person that lives in downtown anytime right. USA. And the government is supposed to subsidize the the difference between the actual money made versus the money lost for right. the situation. Why? What's the problem with the government subsidizing that? Why are well, they going to lose funding? Well, because I mean, the Trump funding needs to doesn't be, want to fund it, basically. Well, but it's being, this is this is not Trump. This has happened back with no, Obama. No, it's happened many I mean, times. The problem happens specific, all the time. The, I'm saying it's happened many times, but in this specific case. I mean, I've been listening to the US, USP, USPS. Yeah, it's always a thing of basically. It's like everything. It's but it's, like, it's, 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 the problem with the USPS too is this has been run super inefficiently as a government agency, pseudo or government agency that doesn't give a shit about profit and losses and all that stuff. They say, well, no, actually, no, it's, that's it's, not true. Well, it's not, lately it's been better. It's but much back, better in the last few years. Of course it's getting better because I don't have a choice. But at the same time, you can run things. I mean, when you have logistics and, you, and when FedEx existed in the beginning and UPS and all that, they are 
excuse me, they had a certain method to deliver. And you remember back in the days of FedEx, it was very logistically um, uh, tracked, but it was very inefficient because every package, I remember specifically, I was in Washington, D.C., and I was sending a FedEx package from Washington, D.C. office to another office in Virginia, which is across the river, okay? And that package will go from Washington to Memphis and from Memphis back to Virginia. For whatever reason, they had to ship it back to their central logistics section and then ship it back. I don't know how much it cost to put something on a plane and ship it to Memphis, track it, blah, 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 and then put another plane and send it back to Virginia so the day after it's there. But it was totally, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do these things. And then they started learning that, okay, we can just ship it, this thing. They, 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 they improved their system because they have profit and losses yeah, USPS, and they're public companies. In the last five, six years, now that packages is their main business have gotten much much better. Of course. Much Why? better. Why? Because they have competitors. Yeah, of course. Because before no, it I was mean, like, USPS, we'll get there when we get there. And, and USPS is, is in a competition like everybody else. Uh, but the difference is that basically the whole thing of the USPS, the reason why the USPS loses money compared to UPS and FedEx is because the USPS has to, by law, do things that UPS and FedEx as private companies don't have to Understood. do. Understood. So the reason they lose money is because they do money losing things by law. If the USPS basically went totally private, like some people are suggesting, like Trump basically says, we're not going to fund you. We're just going to make you totally private. Well, guess what? USPS is going to stop doing the things that lose money. And then all the people who don't live in a city are basically fucked. I mean, it's that simple. Well... No, uh, in a way, but I mean, if it's all the market is the market. I mean, if I but if but but the point is, the point is, we specifically have the USPS because we want to counteract market forces. That basically, you shouldn't have to live in a city just to get the same. No, no I totally agree. I totally everything. agree with that. But if you audit the USPS and you say, okay, how much money you're losing or not making because who are kind of you're obligated to ship this package well this hold on let me finish please so how much money you're losing or not making because where you're obligated to ship this package to this rural area where nobody else wants to go for a decent price versus how much money you're losing or not making because everything else that you do is so inefficient but that no that's the thing parts of the usps are actually very profitable so they don't lose money across the board on everything they make money in a lot of areas but they lose a lot of money when they have to ship a package to some dude randomly in rural Kentucky. That costs a lot of money, and they lose money on that. And UPS and basically if they charge. The, if that's the case, they then charge, the government they should... charge eight dollars for something that UPS or FedEx would charge fifty, basically. And but they do it because they have to. So that's where they lose most of their money. Shipping to cities and all that, they make money, right? They make money. They're a business. They make money on all those things. They make money on letters. Uh, they lose money on letters that have to go, again, to the middle of nowhere. But they make money on a lot of parts of their business. But no, they I lose agree. money I, on the parts that we agree as a society that we should subsidize. No, I basically. understand. So, so your opinion is that uh, whether it's Trump, Obama, or going back to Bushes, whatever, I mean, the USPS has been... In, in the news for this particular topic I over the last 15 years. You cannot 20. just get rid of the USPS. Right, I agree. I agree. So Because if you do that, I mean, USPS is truly is one of the major infrastructure that we have in the United States. Okay. So to just get rid of it is, is okay. crazy. So Now, if you want to come with private solutions, fine. 
but that needs to be done over a decade, not just all of a sudden you're well, done. Well, but it's been over a decade with these issues. So what is your, your solution is basically that any government, whether it's, I mean, I don't want to say Trump or whatever, or whoever comes next says, okay, we're going to subsidize you no matter yeah, what. Yeah. So if you have, at the end of the year, you have a deficit of whatever number of millions. Not no trillions. matter what, obviously not. Well, obviously, the, I mean, But the USPS, USPS gets a bad rap. You know, because the USPS is profitable in the sections that make sense in the same way US, UPS is profitable in the sections that make sense. But UPS loses money on certain things too, right? right? Exactly. Every business well, does. That's, that's the thing. But the difference is that the main reason the USPS loses money compared to FedEx or UPS is because they are by law required to do things that private companies are not required to do. That's mm -hmm. the whole reason they lose money. If USPS went private tomorrow, they would be profitable but they also, because uh, they would stop doing those things I know, lose money. But if, if the government says, hey, you need to ship this package to this area that is in the middle of nowhere. Um, I mean, if, if I want to get a phone line, you know, and I'm living like off the grid, but I said I want to have a phone line and I need to have whatever phone company put a run a, run a line through the mountain to my little you know, cabana or whatever, <laughs> even in the middle of nowhere or cabin or something. Um, it's going to cost me a lot of money. But it doesn't. That's the well, thing. I know, but it that's the thing. because it's subsidized. Um, there's a difference between saying, hey, we have major metro areas where we are still the cheapest option and you can ship with us, very reliable and everything. And then we have off metro areas or rural areas where we're going to have a little surcharge. And guess what? If I live in the but middle of nowhere... But it's not a little surcharge. You say like adding $2 to the cost is the... Dude... I'm telling you, they do things that UPS would charge you $50 for and they do it for eight, okay? Okay, so well, $40 but if you, surcharge, but instead of people eight, can't afford that. Instead of eight, you do it for 15, you're still much cheaper than any option and you kind of decrease your losses. I mean, uh, something needs to be done to solve the issue. No, I mean, the answer is just being subsidized for those things. That's what we do. Well, yeah, and I don't have a problem with that. I mean, what printing trillions of dollars for subsidize, to subsidize a lot of issues like, right now. The point I, is... I don't see the problem with subsidizing... I'm a very private market person, and I think that private companies should do a lot of things, but in the case of the USPS, it's a rare case where the amount that it costs relative to the good that it brings, I think is not even close. The USPS doesn't, doesn't lose that much money, right? They don't lose that much money. It basically costs taxpayers a few billion a year, which in a $4 trillion annual budget for all that the USPS does, I think is not that much. I agree. And I, think I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want the USPS to disappear. I mean, it has to be and some then, kind of... And then, like hub. I said, if it's going to disappear, you can't just get rid of it. You need to have a major plan in place to replace it. Because if you just say, all of a sudden overnight, come October, November, if the USPS doesn't get the funding it needs, all right, bye-bye, no more USPS. But what replaces it? I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, they don't get funding. Tons of employees and people. Yeah, that's the other thing. They have over three hundred thousand right, employees. Right. Okay. So, but like that's my point. Like, like it's not as simple as just saying, "Oh, we're going to cut the funding to that." Like, okay, that's nice to say, but the USPS, like I said, is one of the vital piece of do you know federal infrastructure that I we understand. have. Do you know how their postal services in other countries work? I mean, if you go to European countries, uh, I mean, they all have. Yeah, it depends on the country, but most of them subsidize the theirs issues? too. 
Yeah, but they're they're socialists, so they don't care. But no, no, no. You cannot just say they're socialists. I mean, there's tons of countries that are not socialist on their war. No, but they've. I they've, mean, there's lots of countries. I mean, I don't know a specific. Social country. democracy is not socialist. I mean, it's just. It's just Social. My point is, different countries have different things. But yes, most of them have some type of government-backed mail system, well, like we just do. like we do here. It's just a matter of that. Or, or the difference also- is that a lot of countries are much smaller than the United States. So the U.S., you know, if what um. You know, France's postal service does. I don't know, but it definitely they don't have as much cost as the U.S. does because the U.S. is way fucking bigger than France. Basically, uh, you know, the, the point is the U.S. is a huge country, uh, and on top of that, we have territories and shit, and we have to ship everywhere. Yeah. So to do that affordably costs a lot of money. Um, I don't know. All right. I, so I, so what's the um, the point is what's the situation right now? I mean, what's the, the deadline? situation right now is that the USPS is losing money. No, they've um, been losing money forever. But and they're not the, getting funding. And uh, it seems like Trump really does who not approves the funding or denies the funding. Um, is it Congress? Senate. Yeah, Mitch McConnell and Trump don't want to do it. Basically. Okay. And they're negotiating on the amount of funding, or they say zero? Uh, Trump I mean, sounds like he just wants to cut it completely. Like, he says, I don't want to give him funding. Yeah, he says, oh, shit, but he's not going to get it done. I mean, it's just not going to happen. I mean, people need the USPS. But USPS made adjustments. And um, it, but the other thing, too, is especially right now in COVID, one of the things is the USPS has so much overwhelming demand that they just couldn't even keep up with all the shipments because all of a sudden overnight they had triple well that's one thing that i discovered that i was talking to you before the podcast that during the last two three months i've ordered a bunch of things obviously like everybody else and amazingly the things that came from usps were the most unreliable ones that never arrived when they were supposed to arrive versus all my packages from ups or fedex arrived i can track them it's out for delivery is here is there is coming tomorrow and it comes tomorrow whereas usps it says um is at this service station in california awaiting next route awaiting this supposed to arrive on monday never arrives on monday Calling the shipper, calling yeah, this. I know everybody has very unreliable. Issues, but but my point you know, is tracking number they, means they thick. all of a sudden overnight had triple. Well, the obviously the logistics packages to deliver. Uh, yes, and it's not like you can just triple the USPS workforce overnight. Well, how did uh, FedEx and UPS handle it? Because well, they, they had trouble too. Maybe mm-hmm. you didn't experience it, but yeah, they but had those guys too. when they had and trouble, guess what they did? They raised prices. Yes, okay, and they also and they also hire extra UPS. things, and they and, and in holiday seasons they hire U-Haul trucks to compensate and temporary workers, and you hear that all the time because they hire yeah, people as is needed. You think USPS doesn't hire temporary workers? I don't know. Obviously, uh, uh, they they, they don't do. handle the deliver. I'm sure they hire temporary workers, but. Uh, in a COVID situation where people cannot go shopping to the stores and they're shopping online, which we discussed. Yeah, but we're, we're in an extreme situation, keep in mind. Okay. okay. So to all of a sudden I'm say, okay with for a company with 300,000 employees to now need to triple their workforce, that's 600,000 people. I understand. But to me, I mean, my, my, my point is that if I'm the audit auditor of usps and you i say you think they're not audited no i know but if are. i'm if i'm the person i say okay show me your balance sheet and tell me how much you're losing which is what we the government is subsidizing because you as a 
kind of pseudo government yeah, entity. You can look it up. Their numbers are public. Right. It's not a no. Secret. I understand. So, so they they make money. So if they are only losing money, my point is there. If they are only losing money because they are delivering and 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 filling a void that nobody else is willing to is willing to fill, that fine. That's the balance. This is this right. money I'm losing because they, I'm dropping this package me, for three dollars when it should be thirty. Fine. But if they are losing on other inefficiencies, that's what they need to fix too. When you ship to a city, right? If you're shipping from. Uh, LA to uh, San Francisco or whatever, they make money, right? USPS Perfect. makes money on the things in the same way that UPS makes money. But keep in mind, first of all, the logistics business is a very cutthroat, thin margin of, business. Well, like every business. So even UPS and FedEx, it's not like they're making huge margins. These guys have like 10, 15% Well, I understand. It's margins. very competitive. Unless so you- USPS has the same margins or maybe a little lower margins, but the difference is they have huge losses in these other areas that they don't have a choice but to do. And like I said, the other tricky thing is it's literally in the constitution. And you might say, oh, it's outdated, whatever. Fine, maybe it is. I mean, but you have to make a constitutional amendment to change that. I understand. That's not an I easy thing to do. I understand, but it's, it's sometimes... When I hear something that starts with the founding fathers, I'm like, okay, but okay, that's fine. But those founding fathers could not predict that USPS no, was going to have UPS and FedEx and competitive and, and COVID. And I mean, we need to also understand that no, things but change. But you also need to understand you that know? to make a constitutional the amendment, genius with light to make bulbs a to constitutional see. amendment. What I understand, it's not an easy thing. No, it doesn't I just happen. That's why there's so few, you know. Right. But at some point, so, you need to adjust yeah. to the times. Okay, All right. Okay. That's good. Um, let's move on. Um, totally different topic and almost a little different. But um, another thing that happened um, earlier this week is that in California, uh, you know, the fight that has been happening between uh, Uber, Lyft, and all these kind of gig economy companies that offer ride share services or even deliveries like DoorDash and all those, as far as the classification of their workers. Um, they want to classify them as independent contractors, whereas the government of California and in other states are kind of trying to see what happens to, to continue. They want to classify them as employees. And the differences between one and the other are obviously uh, critical because when you're an employee, you have certain benefits and certain pay time off and waiting time and other kinds of uh, employee benefits that normally you don't get as an independent contractor. Now, when you're an independent contractor, you have also other benefits that as an independent contractor you like because that's the part of the independent. You set your hours, you set your schedule, you set basically you're working um, uh, everything. Basically, you, you decide how much to work, when to work, in which conditions, in which area. You basically are independent and you say, yes, I'm going to work with your company rules because I'm working for your company, but I'm going to decide everything else. So... The when these companies are struggling for survival, like like Lyft and Uber at this point, and most of these uh, companies are actually losing money right now, um, it's critical for them that they continue. Which I don't think a lot of people understand. Like I think a lot of people think these are like big, comp like uh, there was some politician calling out DoorDash a few weeks ago, and it was like they were saying something about they were charged because they were charging different prices for different neighborhoods. Yeah. And they were saying this is discrimination, but it's like, no, it's like, well, no, costs more to deliver to certain places. And right. they said, uh, DoorDash loses. Like the politician was saying something along the lines of like, it was some California congressperson, and they were saying like, 
you know, these multi-billion dollar companies, like, yeah, revenue, but I was like, you know, DoorDash loses money, right? Right. Like, they're not making and money. That's another example. We're talking, obviously, at length about the USPS, but this has been around for a long time. The, the classification of... And yeah, this is not I just think, a gig economy thing. I mean, I remember back in the days. Oh, I think the solution is, because I've seen multiple proposals for this, is a third classification. So we basically have employees and contractors, and that's it. And there is a proposal, and I think it may happen, um, of a middle ground, which is for the gig economy, basically. And I think what it was, was they pay Social Security and Medicaid taxes, but they... Who, who pays? So the, the employee, the worker... Basically. Well, they always pay. That's part. That they pay the well, both portions. I mean, you're an independent contractor. You pay the full employer and employee part yourself. So yes, that's not going to change. But they also. It's, but so it's more about the benefits. It depends if you classify. If you're an individual business, you don't though. No, you you do. You always pay. No, if you if you're a business and you're a business of one, you don't pay social security taxes. No. You only pay if you give yourself salary. But if you don't give yourself salary. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Yeah. If I start a company tomorrow and I'm the only employee, I yes. don't pay Social Security unless I make myself a W-2 of that company. No, you do. You pay Social Security taxes on wh whether you take a distribution or you pay yourself a salary, however you want to discuss it. You are an independent contractor and no, you are a you sole proprietor. A no, it doesn't matter. You're a sole proprietor. You still pay. Not, not unless you give yourself a salary. No, you're talking income taxes. Okay, we're talking Social Security and Medicare. You pay that no matter what. You don't pay that on distributions. No, no, no. Yes, you pay when you are... Okay, that's a whole different discussion, but I can tell you, you're talking income taxes versus salary, okay? so No, 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 I'm talking Social Security taxes. Yes. I'm not talking about income tax. You always pay income tax. If you're an independent contractor, if you're an no, independent... No, no, no. I'm saying if you're a sole proprietor, if you have an LLC of one, okay, you don't pay if you give yourself a dish now if you make yourself a w2 you are a sole proprietor the only th you need to be a corporation with a w2 if you are a sole proprietor or a partnership you don't even have a w2 that's what i'm saying so if you just give yourself distributions you don't pay social security tax on yes, distributions you yes you do since when since always the government doesn't care if you are paying yourself a distribution are or you sure i'm positive I'm positive. You need to be a W-2 employee, a salaried employee in a corporation to basically say, this is my salary and I'm going to pay what? taxes. No, that's how it works, David. That's how it works. But that's a whole different discussion. The discussion here with... with uh, Since when do you pay Social Security on a distribution? You pay Social Security on all the income that you have, whether... No, you, you don't. Okay, if you don't give yourself a W-2 salary, you just give yourself distributions. You don't pay Social Security on distributions. You're basically, yes. When you are, when you don't give yourself a W-2. Okay, we'll move on. I don't know. We'll look it up afterwards. But yes, I don't think you do. Yes, you do, David. I mean, David, I know that. I know that for sure. Okay. okay. Um, whatever. Anyways, there's a middle ground that basically said you pay, that was a third. There's a cap. Let's move on. Let's no, move on. there's a cap on Social Security, which I think this year is like one thirty something cap on thousand. And there's no cap on Medicare. So the the difference between independent contractor employee is that when you're an employee, you basically have your employer yeah, contribute with out. half. But I'm talking. Okay, let's move on. Let's but anyways, the difference is not so much on who pays the Social Security and Medicare, which every, they're going to be paid no matter what, whether you pay as an independent contractor or employer-employee relationship. 
The difference is in all the other benefits. The when you're off, you're off. You don't have sick days, you don't have vacation days, you don't have paid any leaves or anything like that. When you're an employee, you have certain benefits. When you're an independent contractor, you waive those benefits in exchange for being independent. So you have the independence to say, I, want, I don't want to work today. That's fine. And you basically log off of your Uber application and you're not available. Or you want to take a lunch break. Or you right, and you this. can work for Uber and Lyft and DoorDash yeah, exactly. and all Exactly, and you can work for many other employers right. and all of a sudden there's no competition or anything else. So that is the issue. And and Uber and Lyft have made it very clear. And you can, you can write off expenses pre-tax, whereas employees cannot do that. Yes, obviously you write the expenses of your car and all that stuff. Those are all their benefits. Right, but if you're an employee of Uber... They're just going to take taxes out off the top. They basically. take taxes. Yeah, obviously. They and take. you get your money, and then you can do your write-offs and whatever, and then you pay taxes. Right. But from the company side of view, from the company point of view, from the Uber and Lyft point of view, or the DoorDashes and all these people that use these drivers, in fact, that happened also to FedEx with the FedEx ground guys that or workers that were also independent contractors. I remember the local super shuttle company that is based here in Scottsdale that has... Obviously, they have blue vans all over the nation, over the country in airport transportation. It was the same thing. They were cataloged or classified as independent contractors, even though they were driving the blue van, given uniforms, given this and that. And basically, they were working with the company application or, or mapping and everything else. So the difference is that Uber, Lyft, and all these companies are saying we can't afford to have all of our workforce or workers be classified as employees because the additional cost for us, um, it'll be prohibitive for us to basically survive. So what they're doing now is obviously they're going to appeal the California uh, ruling, but they are going to also, they're threatening saying if this um, you know, ruling stays, we're going to maybe pull out of California altogether because they say we just can't stay here. And then other states may do the same thing. They may say, okay, well, yeah, you need to be also yeah, classified. I don't think they're going to do that. Well, of I course mean, California is a huge market for them. There's no uh, way they can just pull out. Well, if it's a, loose, a huge market, but it's a huge losing market. Well, you have they're a, just going to have to raise prices. If that's the end, okay, the end of well, it. Okay, uh, well, yes. And, and then when they raise prices to cover those expenses, then you start seeing how people just oh, end up getting Of course, demand a, will go down, but I'm right. saying they don't have a choice. Well, they have a choice of pulling out. Because if you're in a place, yeah, if you're in a place and you're losing money and you're gonna lose more money, then you said, okay, well, they've done well, it before. Wouldn't you rather just they've done raise, it before internationally? As wouldn't you, know. you rather just raise prices and say, okay, we'll stay in the market, but we're just gonna charge more? And then we don't. Well, lose money. first of all, when you do that, um, you may lose some of your workforce to begin with because some of the uh, workers may say, no, I don't want to be an employee. But so the reasons that you said, they said, I'm working for DoorDash, I'm working for uh, Lyft, and I have my two stickers, they Uber and Lyft, and I yeah, do plus this Plus, most that. people who do that, it's a part-time job. Like, they have a main job and they do this Sometimes, on the side. some people do that. Most. You can have two part-time jobs that are still W-2 employee jobs. Right, right, right. Basically. But I mean, they do it. The nice thing about Uber or any of these gig jobs is that basically unlike a normal W-2 job where they say you're here at this time and don't be late and you have to, right? With Uber, I can just say, hey, I have a free three hours right now. I can go work, right? You can't go to McDonald's if you work there and say, hey, I had a free three hours, so can I just work now? No, that's not how it works. No, exactly. So that's the nice thing about Uber and right. all these things. Uh, but again, 
even if you're a W2 employee or an employee of a company, you can have a very loose schedule saying, okay, you're, you're working 35 hours, 40 hours a yeah, week. Yeah, but that's not or how 20 it works. Or They whatever. tell you when you're working. Well, I know. And even you go to a Best Buy or whatever, they'll say, okay, you're going to work 20, 30 hours. You're still an employee. And then when to set the schedule and then what hours work for you? And you say, okay, well, I'm going, I can work on Mondays from one to three and then Wednesday, three to five. You stick to those hours and they set the schedule for you. But uh, basically, just because you're W-2 doesn't mean that you're working 9 to 5. I mean, you can set the schedule, and you can even be a W-2 employee for a temporary worker. You can say, I have a contract with this company to work for them for three months. Right, but I'm saying the so, convenience is less. Right. Those companies, if you work at a McDonald's, they tell you your shift. You don't tell McDonald's your shift. Exactly. They tell you and your shift. And that's the key part of being independent contractors. You are independent. Right. You say, or tomorrow you say, hey, I'm not going to work there. And you can work... Like, like we said, you can do simultaneously Uber and Lyft and yes, DoorDash. There's no conflict and whatever of is giving you the order at that moment, right. you can basically do Exactly, that. exactly. So anyways, uh, Uber and Lyft are now again fighting this thing. And they're actually teaming up with DoorDash and other companies to come up with their own amendment or their own proposition to say this is right, how Right, which work. was like the new classification of right. worker. Right. Um, and exactly what the details of that will be, I'm not sure. But so that's something that we're going to look, I'm definitely going to follow. I've been following these things for a while. And I remember back I just in the think, days. I just think that, I don't know. Uh, I think that workers should have the choice. If a worker wants, because the, the truth is, if a worker wants that convenience, then they should have the choice. But if they would rather work a, a more regular job, then they can do that. But I think by making them employees, you're just screwing over a ton of workers. It's, it's becoming more and more difficult today to classify workers. Back in the days, it was very, like, very I don't think, clear cut I don't to think classify a worker. I don't think should be responsible for people's health care in the first place. Because I think that's a major problem. It traps people in jobs. Well, that's not even an issue now. Because I mean, you, you, even your independent contractor, you're supposed to have your own health insurance by law. But that was the right, whole Obamacare but, but, thing. Um, but but if you work for a company and the company provides it, yes. One of the biggest reasons people don't leave their jobs <clears> when you do polls is because of the healthcare benefits. That's almost always, as far as like I want to leave. But I'm not. What's the number one reason? Because it's almost always, always healthcare. Yes, but that's because now, before you could leave and say, "Okay, I'm not going to have insurance," or "I'm uncovered." Now you need to have right. your insurance. And it's that's extremely a whole, expensive. Well, it is expensive, obviously, depending on your situation. But yeah, it is expensive. and demanded, and if you don't get it, then they have these penalties, which now Trump has been trying to waive, and they waive them and all that stuff. But, but yeah, now health insurance is is mandatory. So. Uh, but that, that's one of the sides. The other thing is obviously our benefits like, uh, 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 you know, vacations and paid time off and waiting time or whatever. Uh, if you are an Uber driver and you don't have a ride or something, then you're still driving around with your car and expenses. And you're not being paid for that time. You get paid for the ride and you don't get a cut from that ride. Uh, if you are an employee, they say, okay, you have this, however they set it up, you have this base salary no matter what, and then you have this percentage of your rights. They'll have to restructure the thing. Right, but I think... Either way, the bottom is that it's going to be much more expensive for but, these companies to right, have all these guys. Right, the point is, like, if you're an Uber driver, ultimately it's your choice to be an Uber driver. So if you're not making enough money doing it, and you say this isn't worth it, then you can do something else, right? But leave it up to the workers if what they want to do. I would rather have the workers have free choice between all these different but things. But let me ask you, don't you think if if you're an Uber driver and you are, like I talk to the Uber drivers all the time and they're hustling on this, there's guys that say, oh yeah, I got like 40 trips 
a day in three, four hours or whatever they have time, you know, they, they, they're hustling. I mean, they're working all the time. But if you are working with a salary, you may kind of start saying, oh, I don't need to drive so much. I mean, I can go take a lunch no, break, I mean, whatever, and they're Uber, paying me. I think the well, Uber, I think the end up solution might be Uber can give drivers an option. So you can be a contractor or an employee. But if you're an employee, then you have to do this certain amount of time giving rides. You ha you cannot work for another service, right? Like basically, if you become an employee, then just like every other company has very strict rules, they can have very strict rules on you. But how do you separate the employee? They're both employees with the same rules and then employee number one ends up making a lot of a lot of money for the company with 40 rights in one day or whatever number it is. And then employee number two is waving a bunch of rights for well, whatever they, then reason. Then they get fired. I mean, it's like any other job. If you suck at your job, you get fired. Because right now they have this... If, if I'm Uber and I say, okay, you're full-time employees now? Okay. Well, then you must be available eight hours a day Available, yeah. But how many rights are they making? Because if they're available... Well, that's on paid, Uber's discretion. But... If, if it's more tracking, then they have to keep track of who's normally. Nah, it's not that hard. They track already. Drivers. Well, they do, but but right now they have. They basically incentives. say this is. I mean, this is it, right? Like, all they have to say is you must be available eight hours a day, and you must not have a cancellation rate higher than this percentage. And if you have a higher cancellation rate than that, or you're not working the full hours, then we fire you. It's no different than if you work in McDonald's and you have an eight-hour shift and six hours in you leave. They're gonna fire you. If you're an employee, then they have much more control over you, right? And the other thing is the tipping, too. The tipping is usually more because you're an independent contractor. When you're an employee, you're on a salary, then Uber implemented this tip and lift that you add tips to your to your fare, you know, to the driver. And I, you rate him I, and all I that stuff. I think that's the answer. And by the way, I think if you give them the option, the far majority will just choose to be independent. Yeah. Um, that's, they, that's I think that's the answer. Yeah. Give them the option. You can be a contractor or you can be an employee. But if you're an employee, well, now you work for us. So we can have very strict rules on you, just like every other company mm -hmm. can. So you must be available at these hours. You must give these amount of rides, all that stuff. And if you don't meet that criteria, we'll fire you just like any other job would fire you. Yeah. Interesting. Um, we'll see how that wraps up. Um, it's being an ongoing fight. And, it's, and that's what I think. These companies don't have... They barely have any profits, and they're spending so much money in litigation again, in lawyers and fighting this and fighting that. And it's like, man, I mean, they need to have some clear rules so they can just save that money that they're spending to paying lawyers and just kind of, you know, come. Well, with not a to profit. mention these days with the pandemic, I mean, Uber, I mean, Uber Eats now is much bigger business for Uber than the rides right, right. now because people aren't getting Uber rides, but everybody's doing Uber Eats. Yeah. Uh, the money maker right now for them is Uber Eats, actually, not yeah. Uber Rides. I tell you, I mean, for most of the drivers that I've talked to, they're very happy with their independent contractor status. Yeah, and I I've, know. I talk to drivers in every major city, including international, and they say, no, I do this part-time. I don't want to be, I don't have a job, or I do this just because I don't like to be home all the time, or blah, blah, blah. Whatever reason, they are, they're very professional as far as how they act. Yeah but they are I independent. Think, I think it's very simple. Just so, give workers the choice. If they, I, I think that's the answer. Just give them the choice. So, so if, yeah, I think if it's, you it's don't want to be like, there's plenty, the, the, what they don't talk about is there's tons of drivers who, if you force them to be employees, they're not going to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They, they, I mean, yeah, it's just the dependent part that is, and I think the, the IRS is going to have to, because all this is, 
is revenue that they are seeking. You know, the IRS is looking for additional revenue and they have these rules of how to classify one person as employee, independent contractor, or whatever. But in today's economy, the gig economy worker is almost outnumbering the full-time worker. And not, not yet. It's, no. it's, it's becoming to, an, to a place where it's a major workforce. And it especially is. now that you, have, you are having people work from home, work remotely, there's no, like one of the, oh, one of the, one of the rules for, for, con, for contractors as employees is that they make you work in a particular office and they provide you with the workspace and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's not happening anymore. I was thinking, I was like, you know, you know if I'm a full-time employee of some tech company, I was like, what's stopping me from getting two jobs? If I'm working from home, my boss would have no idea. Right. What's stopping me from working at startup A and startup B? Yeah. And obviously, getting double salary. Your your contract, your agreement with the company will have a uh, a non compete clause of some sort. Saying there that was you're even, not- I was reading an article, and this is something I thought about a long time ago, and someone actually did it. Where, what this guy did was he had a job at one of these major tech companies. I forget which one. And he literally, you know, he had a nice, comfy, 200 something thousand dollar salary. And he would subcontract most of the work that it was like actual mm-hmm. work needed to be done to like people in India. And they would do all the coding for him. Yeah. And then he would work. And obviously he's on the calls. And the yeah, it's and all not that. Now, the like problem that. is he got fired because that's against the <laughs> confidentiality agreement. And of all course. That. But like... I thought about that. I was like, you know, if you make 200000 a year, you can probably find some hungry person in some other country to do the job for you for 40 and you literally do nothing and you just make profit. Yes, I know. You can cheat the system, but at the end of the day, you are working for a company, you're working for a company. If you start doing other stuff, then the company has all the right to just fire you because no, you have no compete with confidentialities and even things like that. So, But yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing is that when everybody's working from home, I mean, back... Uh, I mean, you're in an office, they don't even let you go, most of the corporations to go to Facebook or this or that, or all your social media stuff. You're at home, nobody, I mean, you can have your personal computer and your work computer and your personal computer, you're half a day checking your Facebook posts. No, but I definitely think maybe not working for other companies because of non-competes and all that, but you could definitely start your own side business. I think there will be a oh, lot yeah, more a people, lot of people working on how side many people, businesses. How many people do we get in our business that are starting a side business yeah. in e-commerce, Amazon, or whatever? These are people that, that even when they send you email address and stuff, they use their Gmail or something, but you know they're working for a company and they're telling you they're trying to start this side gig and all that stuff. And then the side gig takes off and it does well. Then they say, okay, company, thank you very much. I'm going to do my own thing. You know, So that's part of being uh, entrepreneurial, which is fine, but that, that's happening all the time. So No, uh, I just think it'll happen much more so because if yes. you're in an office you know you can't be working on your side gig or if you right. do you okay. have to be Phone hiding it or and research and all that but if you're at home right right which is the whole thing why a lot of companies didn't want people to work from home because right. they didn't trust if that. you're at home and you know you're gonna have like an hour of downtime you can just work on your side business in the meantime right all right so one final topic i said we're gonna leave this for an hour and we are just over about 10 minutes over so um speaking of traveling um and this is something that i found actually very useful i just wanted to share it um you know these days it's so hard to to find specific information about when you travel if what are the conditions or the conditions of traveling to certain states in the u.s or even countries outside of the u.s um, there's rules that are changing on a daily basis pretty much as far as whether you're going to be forced to go through quarantine if you go to 
European countries and within European countries, which countries are more strict than others, um, or you come back from a travel overseas or to whatever country, you know, what happens when you come back? Do you have to go through certain U.S. airports or do you have to be quarantined in your own place because you came from uh, France, Spain, Italy or any other country? So Google has this uh, Google Travel, which is almost like the unofficial online travel agency for Google, has this additional information that is very useful. And I've been looking for this type of information in many areas, just basically Googling where can I travel as an American citizen to uh, and what are the conditions, you know? So there's countries that say, okay, yeah, fine. American citizens can travel, just bring a health certificate of some sort or nothing. And other countries say, no, you can't come in unless it's uh, unusual circumstances or something or a skilled worker or something, or you can travel, but you have to be two weeks in quarantine in a hotel or in a location um, that you determine or something. So anyways, uh, Google has, uh, when you go to Google Travel and you just say where you want to travel, you have a lot of information for each consulate, for each embassy, for each state um, within the US. That is the key part is that that is actually frequently updated. So I've been going to websites where it says, even uh, even like going to Texas, and I need to go to, you know, local Texas um, news portals and services and newspapers and things like that online to find out what are the latest conditions from the governor to say, okay, can a person from Arizona travel to Texas? Or am I going to be in quarantine? Or can I come back? Or things like that. So within the U.S. is a little more... Uh, a little more clear, but you're traveling internationally or planning on traveling internationally time in the near future, and you book your airline trip and everything, and the airline says, hey, travel conditions may change, click here, whatever. They don't care. They just leave it up to you to do the research. They're going to sell you the flight. They're going to book the flight for you to go anywhere because they leave it up to you to find out whether once you get there, the airport authority says you need to be two weeks in quarantine or you need to bring a health certificate of some sort or a negative test within the last 24 hours for COVID-19 and things like that. So I think what Google has done is actually a good service. And um, you simply go to uh, Google Travel. There is an app for the phone. And obviously, you can go online as well with a desktop computer. You can find a lot of information once you do a little research. And again, the key part is that it's always updated uh, with the latest. So it's this like episode source. was brought to you by Google. Yeah, uh, no. Google will expect our check in the mail for that. Um, yeah, no. Um, no, Google is not a sponsor. It's fact. We've been actually trashing Google in previous episodes with the monopolies and all that stuff. But in this case, I think they are actually doing a good thing. Um, so, anyways, that's it for today. Um, unless you have any other topics uh, to discuss. All right. Well, thank you very much. We'll be here again next week. Um, which is, uh, what's next week? Today's the 13th, right? So it'll be the 20th of August, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that I wanted to discuss today too, but there's still a little, uh, there's topics that are not really quite clear, so I don't want to kind of just uh, announce them just yet, but uh, there's a lot of things going on in the e-commerce world, and as we get closer to the fall season, as summer wraps up, um, there's a lot of question marks as far as holiday season, e-commerce, schools, everything else. So, uh, But we'll have more information probably in the next one or two weeks. But um, until then, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.